Welcome to FacingMelsMusic.com podcast featuring some of the most heartwarming stories from musicians all around the world on FacingMelsMusic.com. And a warm welcome back to Facing Mel's Music. This is Mel Golding and you are listening to the second part of the interview with Deborah Hawkins. So, Deborah, the golden question, and this is particularly where it interests me, all of this uh, practicing gratitude and the art of practicing gratitude and taking it back to self-love, self-awareness, and looking at the present moment, taking a step back to look at everything as it is. When it comes to musicians and when it comes to performing artists, how can they bypass that element of judgment, um, you know, when it comes to auditions or showcasing? How, uh, how can someone step aside from that element of judgment? Because you mentioned earlier about eliminating the um, self-judgment and going more into self-love, self-care, self-worth. How, how can an artist do that when they're in a business that is so full of judgment? It's a, I, I'd say it's practice. It's certainly not easy. It's especially not easy when your income depends on people liking you, but are liking your work, let's say. But actually, it's interesting that I made a slip there because it's not about whether they like you mm. as a person. It's about whether they like your work enough to pay for it. Mm -hmm. mm. That's not the same thing. No. And it's so easy for artists to see low sales yeah. <laughs> as nobody likes me or nobody gets what I'm trying to do. Right. And it might not have to do with that at all. It might have to do with um, their market not having a lot of money at the time or something else or other, the market is flooded at that moment with other artists doing something similar. There could be lots of reasons. Mm -hmm. So it's very understandable to question, well, I don't like this result. What can I do to change it? Well, yeah, there might be changes suggested by, you know, your business strategy. But um, I really think it's difficult if you try to be somebody else and try to do something else just because that seems to be popular because that's not really a victory. It's like people have to be patient. Manifesting things to me is a situation, an opportunity for co-creation, for co-creation with God or spirit or the universe or whatever you want to think about, that um, it's not just what you want and sing your will um, reflected back to you. It's about finding the right time to, to do things. 
times when you might be ready to adjust your goals or your style to what seems to be needed, time for to find the most receptive audience. Mm -hmm. It might take a while. Yeah. Yeah. So patience is definitely something that's needed. And I think what you've said just before then, a real important distinction between uh, being fed back uh, for your work and, and not linking it to a personal failure, because that can happen. That tends to happen a lot, particularly with younger musicians who pretty new to the field um, and one can take it personally you know um, artists can seem to take things personally so it's learning how to manage that and it's very important uh, what you said before about that distinction between your work is your work you are something else yes you've produced it but right yeah it's uh, different um, I think that's very important because Well, we want to all want to be happy. We want to be successful. I know I've pursued writing and other creative things where it seemed important to me to find an audience. It doesn't um challenges in that does not mean that I don't have something to contribute. Mm -hmm. So it could be a challenge of finding um, the right audience, yeah. finding an audience that would like what you have to offer. And it's funny in this stage of podcasting and yeah. um, streaming and all this technology, mm -hmm. there's so many more opportunities mm. to get what you do out, but so much more, uh, more artists or other artists, you feel you have to compete with yes, yes. for a little space in potential, yeah. uh, in a potential audience's consciousness. Yeah. So it's kind of like there's continual navigation and adjustments to make. But it's important to believe in yourself, mm. to understand the value of what you bring, yeah, and to look at what you're doing mm. continually mm. and continually make adjustments. And that might be uh, making adjustments in what you're doing right. or might be simply making adjustments in how you feel about that. Just like I, we open talking about um, goals, any type of goals, mm. like um, – you can adjust your tactics to achieve your goals if you're not realizing them or change your goals. I mean, think about your own life. Yeah. You were a musician and an artist, and you're maybe still pursuing some of that. But mm -hmm. some of your goals to be in uh, do therapy as a therapist, mm -hmm. some of your goals have changed. Yep. So artists have the same opportunity. It doesn't mean that what they did, um, the first songs they wrote were unimportant. Mm. Any process at a stage in your life is not unimportant just because you don't retire from that 40 years from now. It's like all important. Everything you do is part of who you are. Mm. But it's like it's not the sum of who you are. 
right. what your accomplishments are. Right. Yes, and um, and like you say, there is this this element of flexibility. It's all a journey. It's a personal journey, I guess, as well. And goals do change. Um, they change as you get older. Um, you can end up doing several things. You can end up wearing several hats. So priorities can also change as well. So I guess uh, what you're saying makes perfect sense to have that element of flexibility in the thinking uh, to keep uh, to keep focused on what it is you want, what it is you want out of life, actually. I think that's very important that in, um, this gratitude practice is actually a very good way to understand that at another level because I remind people when they work with um, their gratitude themes, the themes themselves are broad enough that they could be applied in lots of situations. I often in my workshops use the example of having a wonderful memory of eating ice cream, chocolate ice cream on uh, a pier when you're a 12 year old kid. Well, that's a great memory, but you'd be very limited if you had to have chocolate ice cream or wear short, <laughs> short pants if to be happy. But you could look at that experience that gave you such wonderful feelings in a very broader, broad way. So you could say, well, I was happy then, or I was grateful then, because I was treating myself. Or because I felt like a kid. And you could take those same themes and apply them to being, you know, in a boardroom or whatever your career is. I, like you talk to some entrepreneurs or some business people, and they still manage to keep sometimes the kid in them alive in certain circumstances, not everywhere. But of the happy ones, probably know how to tap, bring some of that along with them. Mm. Or this feeling of treating, treating yourself. Mm -hmm. If you could bring that in a broad sense to some new situation that um, can be a source for gratitude. Mm. And I would say that a similar thing happens when you take a creative person mm -hmm. that used to be a singer or actor, and now they're selling real estate or something else, yeah. if you take the uh, the broadly applied attributes that they brought to acting that they loved, yeah, they're probably using the same, <laughs> tapping into the same things in real estate or in um, running a bakery, yeah, or. Uh, yeah. event planning or something else. Mm. You know, it's really knowing you love and being able to see that in a broad way so that you're mm. not confined to the details of the way you ex first experienced it. Mm. Very, very interesting. And yeah, you're obviously you're talking about transferable skills there. Um and what you're really transferring is is the element of you, the real you. So that is very interesting. I think so. I think that's probably the most important things is 
confidence and resilience and hope and optimism. I think that's very important because um, the world is chaotic and um, people change and your own priorities might change too. And that's okay. But it's really nice to know that while you are experiencing challenges, you can still tap into the experience of being connected mm -hmm. with things you can love or appreciate. Mm, wonderful, wonderful. And, and Deborah, you, you've talked about writing a love letter to yourself um, and there is some mention of mirror work. Do you do mirror work at all? Um, no, I, I recently wrote a blog about that. I don't right. specifically do mirror work. But I did a little on myself because I was laughing because I talk a lot about self-love. Yeah. And yet um, I was going through uh, some experiences mm. where I felt physical uh, pain in arthritis or whatever. And I was very conscious getting older and all that. Mm. And I was kind of down on myself. And then I started laughing because... Here I am talking up why people should love themselves and I wasn't practicing what I <laughs> yes. recommended to people. Yeah. So uh, I think of my life largely as an opportunity for self-reflection. So that's what, um, yeah. And I mm. am familiar with mere work from Louise Hay and yeah. other people, but I don't specifically use that. Right. I think that's part of what the technology is about, that I'm not, um, I'm very backwards and a lot of technology. I'm just trying to learn Instagram now. So it's not like a natural process to me. But um, I think in some way it's really liberating in that um, I might not be certified or have advanced degrees in certain things, but I have, I am, have always practiced mindfulness. I'm very aware of what I go through and I'm aware of what I've gone through that could be useful for other people. Mm -hmm. And I want to get this out. Mm -hmm. And I think there are so many people now that have gone through difficult times yeah. that are also motivated by wanting to share what they've learned. Yes, indeed. And yeah. I think now is the time where we could all help heal each other. Absolutely. And that's it. And it's all about your experiences and, and you're very experienced, you're experienced in life and you've, you've gone through a, your own processes. So this is something that you are able to actually pass forward in a sense. You're able to pass this knowledge forward and help others, which is absolutely wonderful. We talked a little bit about uh, being in the moment 
And I really reckon, recommend another tool and that I know it might be hard for people, <laughs> but um, I still recommend it, which is journaling. There are so many ways to journal, but I think it's important whether you want to teach other people or want to work on being happier, that you actually create a record mm -hmm. that you could refer to in terms of what you want to do more of, what you want to do less of, mm -hmm. what really seemed to work. And there's no, no other way to do it except to think, <laughs> think about what it is and record some of it. So I know some people might like to use uh, recording versus yeah. um, writing things. Some people like to write longhand. Right. Some people prefer doing everything on their um, iPads or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, everybody has to find a way that works for them. But I do recommend um, recording some of what your thoughts are about things because that's the only way we can grow. Yeah. Or I shouldn't say it's the only way we can grow. It's probably a faster way to grow because if you don't, if you're not um, intentionally conscious of how you think and feel about something, you'll probably have to go through a bad experience five times till you say, Oh, I should not go. <laughs> I should not date these type of people. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely right. Um, journaling is so very, very powerful. It's still very, very widely used. And as you say, people do use it or do it, I should say, in, in many different ways on their phones or whether it's um, speaking, little memos or um, writing, longhand um, or just creating your own diaries i mean diaries are still very popular so is do you do workshops or practice around this i i have i've had different journaling practices over the years and um sometimes I, um like julia julia cameron who wrote the artist way um she got a lot of people doing morning pages and some purists don't like it's all for uncluttering your mm -hmm. mind. It's all just for getting things out. Mm -hmm. I personally think it's good to reread some of your entries mm. because it indicates it's a good reminder to you yeah. where you have grown. Mm -hmm. It's a good reminder to you what things seem to come up as repeat issues right. that you still have to find a way to deal with. Mm. Let's say... Um, I had an issue with my mother. <laughs> so if I write something about that, and that, I might forget about it. But if I see, oh, in 2017, in 2019, whatever, like periodically, I see the same thing, writing about the same thing. Yeah. I know I haven't figured this out yet. Right. <laughs> so it's really, it's, I think it's really good to periodically reread something. That's really, really interesting and really important, actually, because I guess, I mean, from what I just picked up there, listening to you say that is you're going to start discovering patterns, actually, and they, they could be your own patterns um, that you probably unconsciously um, knew. I think it sort of becomes a habit. 
And I, I make a distinction between how I think about practice versus how many, especially Westerners, think about practice. It's not about like practicing your golf swing or practicing hitting a high note. Mm. It's not just about practicing something till you think you mastered it and then you're done. Right. Practice to me simply means showing up for yourself. Right. And that's all. So it's like you never stop practicing something that's important to you. Mm -hmm. Even though you might have reached a state of mastery. It's like it's not about being perfect at something. It's about showing up for something that feels important to you. I really like what you just said there, showing up for yourself. I mean, that is really, really quite a powerful statement. And just to reflect on that, to show up for yourself, you're showing commitment for yourself. You're, and I guess that feeds into self-worth, self-love, self-respect. So can you tell me, um, you mentioned the effects of understanding oneself and with taking responsibilities for your mood and emotions. I read that somewhere. Um, are you able to control negative moods and, and emotions? How can that work, that element of self-regulation? Well, um, I don't think you control things completely in that... Um one can, I, I would expect one to feel sad and happy or frustrated or whatever. Gosh, when I talk to the phone company, I'm sure my neighbors can hear me. I'm so frustrated. <laughs> but um, it's really important be, that I know I have a choice about how I right. feel. I don't stay in that state for a long time. Mm -hmm. And that's good for me that I am not defined by uh, a mood or something that is temporary that's just passing through or I'm passing through it. And that's important. But it's also important to the people I am with yes. that I have relationships with because I believe it's much easier to offer support to somebody when they're going through something as opposed to uh, perpetually in this <laughs> state mm. that can't be fixed, they refuse to fix it or refuse to make it better. And I think it's good for relationships in general when you try to look at, um, uh, when you accept you can be unhappy and also, and also, be grateful for things that are happening to you or are in your mm, world. How lovely the way you just put that. Yeah, it's um, and what I like about that comment is you say it's it's in transit, and that's really important to remember actually. So uh, I guess that can be kind of uplifting in a way, and you, you know, some kind of positivity can be transformed or brought out of that um, negative feeling when you know it's going to pass. So that's really really important. Deborah, where do you get No Small Thing? Because that's uh, your website, nosmallthing.net. Right. Um, it was my philosophy that there's no such thing as a small right. thing. Mm -hmm. 
Anything is important if we give it our attention. That's very, very true indeed. So, Deborah, you've got some books available. Um, can you tell us about your the books that are available? Right. Um, all these books um, are, are my two books, actually, are available from any online bookseller. Mm-hmm. So I believe... You know, whether it's in UK or somewhere else, you could buy them from most online booksellers. I also recommend um, people that want to check out my writing um, can go to my website and go to the blog. I post a new blog every week that's totally free, and it's my like reflections on things that happen in my everyday life that I'm really grateful for. I think this is... Rather than tell people what to do, I think it's wonderful to actually see examples of what mm-hmm. I have done in my own life to Absolutely. lift lift my spirits. Yes, and just to remind everyone who's listening, um, Deborah's two books are out and available. Uh, one of the books is called The Best of No Small Thing, which is uh, Mindful Meditations. And Deborah has another one called The Practice Gratitude, Transform Your Life, which is making the uplifting experience of gratitude intentional. So that's all available on her website. And just to give you that website address again, it is nosmallthing.net and you shall be able to see that. Thank you so much, Deborah, for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. I enjoyed their conversation a lot. Thank you, Mel. Thank you. You read about it in magazines. The news.